Chapter 13 of Bob the Castaway or The Wreck of the Eagle by Frank V. Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Boydell. Chapter 13 Bob Tries a Prank. The Eagle was sailing along under a spanking breeze, and already the motion of old Briny was beginning to make itself felt. The vessel rolled to a considerable degree, and as she passed farther and farther out to sea this became more pronounced. Bob, who had been active in visiting different parts of the ship, watching the sailors at their duties, and picking up bits of information here and there, soon got over his little indignation against those who had played the joke on him. But he soon became conscious of another feeling. This was a decidedly uneasy one, and for the first time since he had begun to think of the voyage, Bob began to fear he was going to be seasick. "'I certainly do feel queer,' said our hero to himself, as he leaned against the railing amidships. "'I wonder what I'd better do. Perhaps I'm moving around too much. I'll keep quiet.' He sat down on a hatch cover and tried to think of other things. The sea was beginning to turn blue, the blue of deep water, and the sun was shining brightly. There was a strong wind and a healthy smell of salt in the air. Still Bob did not appear to care for any of those things. His own feelings seemed to increase. Sitting still is worse than moving around, he began to think. Just then Mr. Carr passed the boy. What's the matter? he asked. You look rather white about the gills, messmate. I, I, I don't feel very well, replied Bob. Better go and lie down then. I guess you're in for a spell of seasickness. Mr. Tarbill has already got his. Bob thought it would be best to follow the advice. He went to his berth, and soon he was a very sick boy. He would have given up all his chances of rounding the horn. Yes, he would even have sacrificed his share in the rather mythical treasure of Captain Obed if he could only have found some place that was not heaving, pitching, and tossing. But the ship rolled on, and the motion seemed to increase rather than diminish. It was a week before Bob was entirely well. During that time he stayed in his bunk, but Captain Spark saw to it that the boy was well looked after and doctored with such simple remedies as are used in that common form of illness, which attacks nearly all who first venture upon the sea. At the end of the week, Bob found that he could stand up without feeling his head go buzzing around. He ventured out on deck, and the salt breeze brought some colour into his pale cheeks. "'You sort of look as if you'd been drawn through a knot hole," remarked Tom Manton, one of the sailors. "'Yes, old Father Neptune's been playing tricks on him, I reckon,' added Sam Bender, the second mate. "'I feel as if I'd been drawn through two knot holes and one right after the other.' "'spoke Bob with an attempt at a smile. "'You'll be all right again now,' comforted Tom. "'Get a little salt horse and sea biscuit down you for a foundation, "'and you can build upon that the finest thing in the way of a meal you ever saw.' "'For the first time since his illness, Bob could think of food without a shudder. "'He really began to feel hungry. "'The old sailor proved a good profit. "'Bob began to mend steadily, and in a few days he was as active as ever.' more so in fact. Now's the time to look for trouble, 
remarked the captain to his mate one day. Trouble? How? Bobby's himself again. He'll be up to some tricks, or I'm a Dutchman. But we must meet him halfway. Give him back some of his coin. He's on this journey to be cured, and I'm going to do it if I have to keel all him. I guess the men will be only too anxious to do their share. They like Bob, but he mustn't play too many pranks on them. No, well, I guess they can look out for themselves. I guess so, answered the mate with a smile. Later that day, Captain Spark instructed Bob in some simple duties, which would be his to perform during the voyage. He was to act in the capacity of cabin boy. Now that Bob was in his usual spirits, he began to feel an inclination to be at some of his pranks. He thought with a sigh that he had not played a good joke since the affair of the stepladder, the cook, and the hired man, so he began to look about and consider the possibilities of indulging in some pranks. But Bob had about made up his mind not to bother the sailors. He was a little afraid of them, as they were big strong men, and he had a suspicion that they were only waiting for him to begin operations before they would do something on their own accord. Bob had an idea they might tie him to a rope, throw him overboard and duck him. That, he thought, would be pretty harsh treatment. I wish Mr. Tarbill would come from his stateroom, Bob mused. I guess it would be safe to play a little joke on him. I've simply got to have some fun. Mr. Tarbell had suffered very much from seasickness, though he was now recovered. He came on deck the next day, but he was more nervous than ever. "'Oh, my!' he exclaimed as a big wave struck the eagle, heeling her over considerably. "'Are we going down?' "'Oh, I guess not,' replied Bob confidently. He and Mr. Tarbell were together on the quarter-deck. The nervous passenger's fears gave Bob an idea. "'I'll give him a real scare,' thought the boy. Maybe it will cure him of being nervous. My reader can easily understand that Bob had one thought for Mr. Tarbell and two for himself. The boy considered matters a few minutes, during which time the nervous passenger seemed to grow more and more frightened of the big waves, which had been piled up by quite a heavy blow the previous night. Presently Bob went to the after rail and looked intently into the water. Then he uttered an exclamation. Oh, oh, he cried, it's coming right after us. Have you got a revolver, Mr. Tarbill? A revolver? What for? What is coming after us, my dear young friend? A big whale. He's just under the surface of the water. He's trying to break off the rudder. Quick, give me your revolver. I haven't any. Oh, dear, I'm so nervous. Do you think he will damage the ship, my dear young friend? I'm afraid so. Look out. Hold on. Here he comes. Bob pretended to grasp the rail to prevent being tossed overboard by the unexpected shock. Mr. Tarbill did the same, and with anxious fears waited for what would happen next. Then the ship seemed to give a great big shiver as a big wave struck under the port bow. "'He's hit us!' cried Bob, trying not to laugh. "'Quick! Get me a life preserver!' exclaimed Mr. Tarbill. "'A life preserver! The ship is sinking!' "'What's all the excitement about?' suddenly asked Captain Spark, appearing at the head of the ladder that led to the quarter-deck. "'The ship has been struck by a monster whale!' exclaimed the nervous passenger. "'He's rammed us, Captain, and I'm going to get a life preserver. Then I must save my valuables in my cabin.' He rushed from the deck, while the captain, with a grim look on his face, glanced at Bob, who burst into laughter.
End of chapter 13